Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Reflect Ed, the podcast where I share my perspective on the challenges and successes that are taking place in our schools and focus on goal setting and plans for future improvement. Through rich conversation and meaningful dialogue, we will discuss practical ways to make schools better for students and educators. Welcome to Reflect Ed Live. It is Thursday night. It is March 10th. It is 9.30. And we are starting with our new topic in our, I guess we're going to call this a series. Why not? We'll just kind of roll with it. We're, we're, we're going to move with this initiative series. Uh, we are looking at part three here as we look at the roadmap for a successful school-wide rollout of the initiatives. And we've had a couple episodes prior our first two episodes focused on the initiative you need and then how to choose the appropriate initiative for your school. And as we get into part three, I'm all, as always, I am joined with my friend, Dave Franjosa. Dave, why don't you say hello to the people out there? How's everybody doing? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> how you doing, everybody? Yeah. Uh, no, we uh, we have a a full load for everybody today. So if you're listening to this live, on the YouTube or Twitter. Again, as always, please feel free to leave your comments, thoughts, ideas. We'd love to have you on if you want to be a guest. If you're checking this out on the podcast end, you can always shoot a tweet to Dave or myself. Let us know what you're listening to, what you're thinking. Um, And if you want to be involved sooner or later, you're more than welcome. So Dave, here we go, right? We've had two episodes. We started this in February on the 10th and the 24th. We had what makes a successful initiative and then choosing the initiative. Those episodes were full of information. We went into those in great detail and had some great conversation from ourselves and also some people that were listening. We appreciate that. And tonight we're going to get into the roadmap. We've broken down what it should look like as you're kind of moving your initiative in the right direction. So before we get started, is there anything you want to tell the people about what they can expect from this episode? Well, look, I mean, this is our opinion and um, I'm approaching this from the perspective of how I rolled out an initiative that I'm now in year seven of in my classroom. And in terms of initiatives, uh, that's probably one of the longer running ones that I've been a part of, Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that I learned along the way. So I'm just... I'm going from my perspective of what I've seen work and then hopefully we, we can scale from there and just kind of expand to how can we do these things district wide? Yeah. So let's, let's kind of piggyback on that real quick, if you don't mind, before we get started. So 17 years education for me, 17 for you. This is 16, 16. 16. Okay. So many years of, of education between us, um, We have both talked about the fact that we have been part of initiatives. We have been told about initiatives and we have tried to start initiatives in a variety of ways. Dave, yours is still running. So I don't even know if we want to call yours an initiative anymore. This is, I I guess, like an action plan, um, a successful action plan. Um, But as educators, we always know that there are initiatives out there that um, are passed down, some successful, some not successful some that actually are meaningful, some that are just done because they were told to do it a certain way. And if you're in education, you're, you're thinking about these initiatives, you know, off the top of your head, you can name one that just never worked, but you had to endure it. Uh, there's so many different things. Dave's initiative that he's going to speak about uh, is the grade reform that he that he's a huge proponent of that is working wonders for his classroom and for some of the teachers in his building that have been leaning on him. Um, I'm looking at it as an educator when I was in the classroom, initiatives that were 
uh, passed down from leadership. And now I'm also looking at it as a leader, the initiatives that I'm trying to pass down to my staff. So again, as Dave mentioned, this is our, these are our opinions. These are our thoughts. This is what we see as what has been successful, what can be successful and what makes initiatives a total failure that is for everybody anywhere. And, you know, we can learn a lot more from our failures than we do from our successes anyway. And that's kind of what I push in the classroom uh, for my students is, you know, don't completely disregard the things that don't work because there's a lot to be learned. Um, and I, I think that, you know, what I'm doing was not initially what I would consider a success. Uh, however, there were a lot of lessons that I learned from the things that didn't work that eventually helped me get to where I am. So I think uh, too often we give up on things a little too soon. We don't support them the way that we should. And we don't take the lessons from those failures or, you know, maybe not even failures, but from um, those speed bumps. You know, and I think it's an important thing too. When you think about initiatives, it's so easy to look at the initiative and say, the initiative's done June 30th. When the school year is complete, the initiative is complete, and, and it kind of fails right there. You know, I think the thing that has made yours a, a success is that it has continued. So that's something we're going to talk about. So I don't want to dive too deep, but would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, I, I would. You know, so it's um, it's more than just during the hours that we're there that we're we're talking about this, supporting this, researching it. So, and yeah, all things that we'll we'll talk about throughout tonight. All right, so let's get into our first thing here. Dave and I had, oh, I'm going to say Dave, laid out a, a tremendous framework for what the roadmap should look like. So we're going to discuss many parts of this and the different aspects of it. Um, this will be in the show notes if you're checking out on the podcast side. We'll have a, a little bit of a rundown there for you. Uh, but if you're listening now, take notes, get ready. Because the first thing that we're going to say is, you know, you decided on your initiative, what now? So that's number one. You've decided on your initiative, what now? Dave, why don't you kind of take us through your thoughts on that one. Yeah. So, um, when I first decided that this was the direction that I wanted to go, I, I dove into what are other people doing that's working for them? Um, you know, finding the experts in the area, um, you know, getting, even if I didn't do things the way that they did it, like trying to pull something from what they did and, and taking all the best pieces of a lot of different things and making something of my own. And I think oftentimes we look for that, uh, that quick fix, that silver bullet, right. And it's not there, right. There's no, there's no magic solution to the challenges that we're facing. So we have to be very um, committed to what we're doing. And part of that comes with looking at more than just one thing. There's no prepackaged program. There's no curriculum. There's um, there's nothing that's going to meet all of your needs because let's be honest, every school is different, right? Every community is different. And so if you're doing something that was prepackaged for another district, there's, there's going to be gaps for yours. So, um, you know, what was very successful for me was just looking at a lot of different things and saying, I like this piece. I don't like that piece, but I like this piece from another thing. So let's see how that fits in here. And then just kind of cobbling together through all of those different things, uh, something that moved towards my vision of what I thought success would be. So, um, and, and that's just kind of how I did it. Um, and I know when you're one person, it's a lot easier because it's my vision and we don't have to balance the visions of other people. So that is an added challenge when we're going district wide, it's not insurmountable, but it's something that we have to consider. And so, um, you know, when we're looking to do this uh, on a broader scale, how do we choose who's involved in the development, right? How, how do we choose, you know, what research we're doing, who's doing that research, what pieces we're using. So those are all things that we kind of have to figure out before we actually get started. Right. And it's extremely important that, you know, first choosing the initiative, you have to make sure you're choosing it's going to fit. Like we, we talked about in previous episodes, 
the initiatives that you have, even if they're passed down from above because there's some kind of compensation involved or because they think it's going to work out for the school, you know, when it's in place, you really need to make sure you're doing the appropriate research and you're finding the people who are sharing your ideas and your vision because you want to make sure that even if even if it's if it's not an issue that's going to last, you got to have people all in, right? You got to make sure that these people you know can be considered experts. They can kind of take to research, find the right resources to make it work. Because in the end, what's going to happen here is forget about the rollout, forget about what it's going to do to the teachers and the morale of the school. You're you're impacting students in some way. So if you're just going I'm going to say it. If you're going half-assed with your with your with your rollout here, and you got your initiative in place, you know you're going to mess up something for the students, and that's that's where we can't have that. We can't have a negative impact on the students because it's going to negatively look at how they learn. It's going to negatively impact what they do on a daily basis, and we don't want to lose them, whether it's the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, or anything like that. We got to make sure that whatever initiative is in place, that we are finding ways that we can bring about success for our students. Yeah, and. I think one of the things that we have to do is before we even have a meeting about what we're doing, establish what does success look like? What are our expectations? Make them clear so that we know what we're looking to accomplish, how we're monitoring that. And, you know, we'll get into that monitoring a little later, but, um, you know, we've talked about this before. Test scores are a lagging indicator. Achievement is a lagging indicator. So if we're using that as our, um, you know, our justification for, for this initiative, we're going to kind of miss the mark a bit. So we have to make sure that, you know, we're looking at things that address what we're trying to do. All right. So um, I, I think oftentimes we have this, general or like this grand vision of, you know, we want to make school a utopia or, um, you know, this is like, we're, we're tackling social, emotional learning, you know, whatever it is, but there's like, yeah, that that's great. How, like what exactly within that are you looking to accomplish? So, you know, that was something for me when I set out on, on the grade reform journey, um, it was simple. I had three things that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted students to learn for the sake of learning. I wanted them to gain skills and knowledge, and I wanted them to apply that to new situations. Those were the three things that um, I was monitoring. All right. So whatever that looked like, you know, that's what I was looking for. Okay. That's fair. I think, I think all of that, is important. And I think, you know, it leads us to number two, right? And the second part of a road roadmap is a stakeholder meeting. So Dave, you were talking about the vision and what you want to accomplish. And I think this is where all that kind of comes into play. You have to make sure that you are putting it out to the people that you're working with, understanding why this initiative is necessary and understand, as you just said, what do you want to happen in a bit? So this is a, this is definitely the big part. This is where you gather all those experts that you that you brought in the first part. This is where you have your research, you put it on the table, you work together, and you kind of say, "Hey, hey, here's where we're going to go with this." And you know, this is the on the bus or off the bus kind of moment. And if you don't like it, don't get involved. Yeah. Well, so I, I would even go a little further than that. It's just um, not on the bus or off the bus. It's this is why we all need to be on this bus, right? That's what this, that's what this meeting's about. It's not, um, you know, pick a side. It's just like, okay, here's our collective vision that this is. And, you know, we talk about leadership and we've talked about leadership um, in our, our first episodes here. Uh, and this is what leadership is. You, as the administrator, you're saying this is the direction that we're going, um, you know, and this is what's in the best interest of our students. And in the stakeholder meeting, you're saying here are all the reasons why, right? And that is the research that we did. It's cobbling together the our plan, and it's presenting. Here's how we're going to approach it at first, right? And then, um, you know you have to stand up there and take 
all of the questions, mm-hmm. right? And this isn't something where you inform the public and you inform everybody who's involved that, all right, it's now March 10th, April 1st. Here's what you're going to see. This is something where you say, okay, it's March 10th. We're hoping by September 1st, we'll have enough buy-in where this, this is what we want to do. All right. So you'll have time for your voice to be heard, for your questions to be answered. And if I don't have an answer to your question, I'm going to get it. Right. So, you know, a lot of times we get so defensive about the things that we're doing and say, no, it's good because, right. Or if somebody asks you a tough question that you don't have the answer to, like a lot of times we kind of avoid it thinking that it, it might torpedo what we're trying to do. Um, and from experience, I could tell you, I had, uh, I had some really tough conversations with parents at first and, you know, I stood in front of them and said, you know what, that's a valid concern. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can't tell you exactly how I'm going to handle it, but what I can promise you is that I have the student's best interest in mind. And if something's not working in the nature it's intended, we're going to make sure that it does. Um, and even if they didn't agree with me by the end of that meeting, they said, okay, you know what? We trust that you're going to do what you think is best for the students in front of you. So they, it, it gave me some goodwill. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, because it was just me, it wasn't, um, a large scale rollout where it was the entire district and it wasn't changing, um, what they thought was the entire educational landscape that the students were, were going to, um, experience. I gave a two month lead time, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, and that was plenty of time. We had multiple, uh, parent nights. I answered every single email, um, you know, and then it was really on me to be more proactive with my communication. So, um, when you're changing something, I really do think the onus is on you to say, you know, why this is in the best interest of everybody involved. So uh, that's something that we got to stand up there and, you know, be willing to, you know, take the heat for. And if we're not willing to take the heat or, you know, if, if we don't have the answers to it, well, maybe we need to get the answers. Maybe this isn't the initiative that we should be doing. Right. So, um, there's a lot that can be learned from that, that meeting or those meetings. Right. And, 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 and two things there, I think I had a moment like this, uh, just this past week as, you know, I'm discussing the PBIS that I'd like to do for our, for our middle school and talking about building our team so we can have people on board who are interested in bringing this vision up front. I want a team because there's a lot to the, the idea of PBIS. So I need people that are that I can work with that are going to be able to support this. I had to find myself selling the idea of PBIS and what it looks like and why uh, the person who asked me the question should be on the team. Um, you know, and I didn't have all the answers. You know, I, I understand PBIS as, as one thing, you know, digging deep down the rabbit hole of what PBIS is. There's a lot that goes along with it. So I can't sell every single thing. All I can say is it's going to be a slow process. I'm, I don't want to roll out every single thing that, that is going to happen from September to June of next year. I want to make sure we do one or two things or even three things right going into next year so that in year two or three, however you look at it, that we can be in a better place where we did all these three things. Now we can add a new wrinkle and, you know, you have to sell it. You have to make sure. And I was not really clear on everything. I had to make sure that I was answering questions. I had to make sure I, I said I didn't know certain things. And I had to be honest because I didn't know everything. But, you know, putting it out there just to getting people to see that this is what it's going to look like, but it's not going to be perfect, I think is fine. And then with that, even though it's not perfect, there's going to be plenty of moments. And I still have these moments now. We haven't even fully rolled it out that I'm sitting to myself, I'm sitting there saying to myself, is this the right thing to be doing when deep down, I feel like it is, but at the same point, I'm not getting as much, I'm going to say early buy-in as I expected with this when I introduced it the first time. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe, maybe it's not going to work. 
Maybe I'm not selling it right. Maybe, maybe it's, it's going to miss the mark. Um, so there's definitely that, that fear for me that I, I want it to work so badly that maybe I'm pushing too hard or not showing enough uh, to the staff that's going to get them excited. So, you know, I, you, you can't give in because if it's something that you really believe in and you really feel it's going to work, you got to continue to push and you got to keep bringing the research that's going to get the stakeholders more interested. They don't have to be on the front lines, but they, you want them to be part of it in some way. Yeah. And so that, that brings up a couple of questions. So um, first, when you, when you talk about a rollout and adding wrinkles, so are you looking to do this staff wide or do you have like a couple of people that say, Hey, yeah, you know what? I think this is a great idea. So like, you know, how would an initiative like that work? Because, you know, it doesn't seem to me that that's something you could do piecemeal. Right. I, I, when I, when I'm saying additional wrinkles, it's gotta be school-wide. This, this can't be a one classroom thing because the whole thing with PBIS is building that culture and climate where all expectations are laid out on the table for both students and staff. Right. So we need people involved. That's why I'm building the team. They can be the salespeople. You know, uh, the team will be able to kind of, create the, the, the expectations that I'm not doing it by myself that I want to see for the school. I'm bringing in my teachers who are, who are there every day living it and they can tell me what they expect from their students. And I can have students tell me what they expect from their teachers. So that, that, that part of the rollout can't be a piecemeal thing. When I'm talking about piecemeal thing, I'm talking about like, for example, we're going to do prizes and rewards. If we're going to have signage around the school, if we're going to, um, if we're going to have like a school logo and motto, I, I can't throw everything in there. September one can't that's got to be things that are moved slowly. The thing we need for September one are expectations for our students and staff to ensure we have a, a strong climate and culture and understanding of what we do every day. That is first and foremost. That's where it starts from all the other things that, that go with this. What I want to see kind of fall in line as we move forward. Okay. Yeah. And, and look, there's some things that, you know, it makes sense to, it has to be district wide and those things will take more front loaded effort to where you, you have to invest that time for people to understand why they need to get on the bus. Like, you know, why this is a good thing, but there's other things, you know, um, like I said, with, with me, with grade reform, with, um, you know, some tech initiatives, mm -hmm. you can have, uh, a select group of people uh, that that actually think it's a good idea, try it, right? Um, and, and then from there, say, okay, you know, anybody who saw what they were doing and wants to try that, you know, and you just keep growing from there. So some things uh, can be a little more organic, um, but I will tell you that, um, you know, from experience, organic only gets you so far. And then at some point there needs to be some kind of directive or um, universal vision that like, Hey, this, this is what we're doing. Right. Right. And this, and this kind of all goes, goes with our, our third idea for the roadmap, which is the rollout, right? And mm -hmm. how are you rolling it out to who you're rolling it out to? Is it, as David mentioned, is it a small group? Is it a whole district? Is it a whole school? Um, are you doing it all at once? Are you going in phases? David, let me ask you that, right? Because you, you, you started this journey for grade reform solo. When you, so, so your pilot was just you, and then you'll have people add on throughout the time that you were doing it. When you started it, did you roll out in phases or did you kind of just put it all together in one big, one big grouping of what to expect? Here's what it's going to be from September. So for, for me, um, now originally like the way I rolled it out was not my vision of how I wanted to roll it out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had planned on taking a full school year, developing a, a model that I was going to implement the following school year. Um, I wound up doing it mid year and, um, this for me is a mindset shift. And if you're trying to shift mindsets, you can't straddle the fence. Right. And um, so I dove headfirst all in all at once, um, ripped off the bandaid and just said, hey, look, 
it's going to be a bumpy ride, but you know, you, you tell me. Uh, and so now this is me talking to my students and I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of parallels, which we'll talk about uh, a little later. I think there's a lot of parallels between how teachers engage with students um, and how successful administrators engage with teachers. Um, so I said, we're a team going to be a bumpy ride. I need your feedback along the way. Um, you know, but here is, here's my mission. Here are my goals. This is what I want to get out of this. You let me know if I'm hitting them. So I, I, it's not something that could have been done piecemeal because, um, you know, I, I see people who try and do things, well, I'll try a unit this way, or I'll, I'll try a piece of the class this way. And you're really challenging students to compartmentalize. Um, and it's just my opinion. I, I don't think it's as, it's as successful as it could be. And I think that, you know, even what I'm doing now isn't as successful as it can be because I'm not doing the same thing as every other teacher, mm-hmm. you know, and just them having to navigate both systems and switch mindsets for how they approach other courses compared to how they approach mine. So I do think that, um, you know, it would be more beneficial if more people were doing this. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why they're not. Um, so I'm, I'm not faulting anybody for that. I'm just saying, um, you know, mindsets, we need consistency across everything that we do in order for a mindset to truly be shifted. So for me, the rollout was all at once and we'll adjust as we go. Okay. That's fair. And I see through what I was doing when I was in the classroom with, you know, I'm not going to, I guess they, they are initiatives as we spoke previously. Um, when I looked at flip in the classroom, right. It's kind of an initiative. It was something that nobody else was doing at the time I started doing it. So it made it very difficult for me because I didn't know where else to go because you really, to, to do that, you need the patience. You need the, at that point, tech savvy, to actually like continue to do the, the, the flip classroom and, and using that technology appropriately. So I was on an Island and I was struggling because I was rolling it out in phases because I was still learning about things. You know, maybe I started at the wrong time. Maybe, you know, when I, when I rolled that out, I didn't have enough knowledge about it. So going into phases, my first year with it wasn't good. It was a failure. Um, going forward though, you know, I kind of learned how I wanted to do it better. But, you know, still, as I moved forward, I was kind of doing it on my own. And that is what really made uh, the flip classroom, you know, good, but it really could have been much better if I had more people involved. Maybe, you know, maybe I tried to tackle it with too much where the other teachers couldn't do that. And if I kind of slowed it down and and learned the basics, you know, if I knew what I know now, then might have been a different story, might have been more successful. Who knows? But like now we're kind of all thrown into the technology loop. So you're really flipping everything you're doing in a different way. Yeah. And and look, I think you hit an important point there. It's just, you, we're looking at like specific aspects rather than, you know, you're looking at flipping lessons and Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's just one small part of what we do. And a lot of times why things don't work is all the, the other pieces of, is this supported by, everything else that we're doing. And so, you know, we mentioned this before education is interconnected. It's not like, um, nothing's on an Island. No subject is on an Island. You know, um, it's not SEL or social justice or diversity, equity, and inclusion or grade reform. It's all of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you can't support one without supporting the others. All right. Or else like you're, you're already setting yourself up for failure. And I mean, I think that's part of the, the, the thing that has to be revealed during your research where you see that interconnected nature. And so now when we talk about rollout, so it, it's not feasible to do like everything at once. However, we need to have this multi-pronged approach to where we have a plan of how we're going to address all of these things and what's the most pressing, what's, what's the, 
what has the highest rate of success, right? Start there. And I mean, really, what's the best way to get buy-in? Have success, mm-hmm. right? So if you pick the thing that's going to have the highest rate of success and then you grow from there and you have that that multi-pronged approach where, okay, you know, um, we're going to commit to getting this to this level and then we're going to add, right? And then when we get to this level, then we're going to add more, right? And so people won't feel overwhelmed. And, and that's the thing. When you talk about adding a wrinkle, when we add wrinkles, we got to make sure we're doing it in a way where we're not overwhelming um, you know, teachers and administrators and, you know, because like when we talk about these conversations, we always talk about how much teachers have on their plate, but you know, it's unfair to, to think that admin doesn't have a lot on their plate too. Right. And so how do you deal with everything that you have to do in, in your daily job? And then on top of that, provide the support to teachers in order to like move these things forward. Right. So, um, you know, if we're biting off more than we can chew and we can't support it and people are just kind of left to figure it out, uh, it'll kind of wither on the vine. Right. So we just have to be aware of everything that everybody's doing and, you know, how can we do this in a sustainable way that's going to have prolonged change and impact students in a positive way. And there you go. So, so real, real quick before we move on, because we, we got a couple more that we want to uh, tackle here. So our roadmap so far, we have gone over three things. Uh, first, you've decided on an initiative. What now? All right. We talked about research. We talked about finding the people that you can get involved, bring the resources. They'd be your experts. Second, we have the stakeholders, right? And with that, mainly sharing your vision, getting them on board, figuring out how we can work together, whether you're in favor of it or not in favor of it. You're on it no matter what, because we're doing it for the school. And we just talked about the rollout, right? So what it looks like, uh, small batches, whole district, big school, or you're doing the phases, whatever works. Um, we're talking about that rollout. So now we, we talk about all these things in place. We've got it rolled out. What do we have to do to make sure it works? How do we bring about that student success as Dave was just talking about? And the fourth thing now is monitoring progress. And there's a variety of ways that we can monitor progress. Um, I think this is the best part because this is where you're getting in the trenches and kind of figuring out on both sides from the admin, from teachers, from students, what is working, what needs to be fixed, what is good, what can stay, where's the improvements. And, And I think with all of this, as we're going to talk about here, all the feedback is important. We need it from everybody and it needs to be consistent. It can't be just a one-time check-in. Yeah. And there was something that you had brought up a a while back. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when, but you had talked about um, doing anonymous surveys and just having it out there. So the people who don't feel comfortable putting their name on it and um, you know, sometimes people are more honest when their name's not on it giving them the opportunity to just have this anonymous survey that's always out there. It, you know, just have it as like a Google form or something um, where you just get, you know, emails or get alerts or when you check it, you see all the feedback, positive, negative suggestions on how to improve, but just have some mechanism where everybody feels comfortable. Um, You know, so like, that was something that you had suggested that I I think would be a tremendous tool. So um, are you implementing something like that now? Yeah. So, so for PBIS, I I did two anonymous surveys. I did anonymous survey with the students to kind of get their understanding of what they saw as, as what the school gives them, right? What are how do they feel about being in school? Are they comfortable? Do they feel welcome? Do they feel like they're getting positive praise? Are they only um, reprimanded for negative behavior? Are they uh, recognized for the good things? Uh, Also ask them like, uh, how do they feel about people in school? What kind of problems do they see are major problems such as, you know, bullying, uh, rumors, cell phone use, fighting, a lot of the things were, were no, but still getting the feedback from them without having them worry about, you know, if I put this in there, my name is attached to it. Who's it going to get traced back to? So that was one anonymous survey. The other anonymous survey was for the staff. 
just asking them like the same questions, you know, you know, do they have uh, a reward system in their class? Do they have the expectations for their class posted? Do they have expectations for the school posted? Um, you know, things that they notice about the school, do they think it's a, a, a place where they feel comfortable? Is it a place that is respectful? So, you know, there were a variety of questions. Those weren't the only questions, but there are a variety of questions where they have to really dig in. And I felt like this would be a good anonymous survey for both sides because it really will allow uh, that, that, that feedback you're looking for, right? I, I, these, I used to use anonymous surveys in my classroom when I did project-based learning and when I did the flip classroom, uh, looking for feedback. They weren't as in-depth as I know some of the things that you do when you talk to students. Uh, my surveys were just kind of straight to the point. Did you like this? If you didn't like it, why? What can I do to improve? And you know, how, did you, how do you think you handled the work? Three questions, four questions tops, just, you know, when I was in the classroom, just to make sure that the the bases were covered so that I can continue to make improvements as I went through. Um, but with this one, this is really the information that I need to really kind of put the ball rolling in the right direction. When we think about creating expectations for our school, now we have feedback from our students and from our staff that we can use as the team to, to really build something that hits on all sides. Like, okay, so some people said they don't feel that the school is a respectful place. One of the things we have to have is our core belief for PBIS is the idea of respecting ourselves, respecting our classmates and respecting our teachers. You know, that's going to be the whole thing, right? We don't have fights. We don't have major issues. So we understand that respect may be the thing the kids want the most. And then respect may be the thing the teachers want the most too. But uh, you know, I really enjoy getting that feedback anonymously because it really kind of digs in and and really shows what people are thinking without putting their names on it. And that's not what you do, right? When you meet with your kids, you 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 have the paperwork. The kids fill out the paperwork, they put their name on it, and then you can actually meet with them. Correct? Yeah, we we do a bunch of different things. But before we get to what what I do, like, would it be too much to have that? embedded to where um you know it was accessible to teachers and students ongoing or is it something that you know you do at certain times and just kind of revisit i think so that's a great question so you know again digging into what we're going to do here at pbis this was an initial survey this was strictly trying to get the temperature to understand where, where they're at and where they feel um, looking at other surveys schools have used, uh, the surveys vary. So for example, let's just take discipline for example. Okay. Um, you know, do you think discipline is handled fairly at school? Uh, you can say yes or no, or you can say, you know, things like, um, yes. And then you can kind of rate how we're doing it. Like, yes, discipline's handled well. However, you know, we still need work here you know on a scale of one to five discipline is a two you know so like i'm I'm looking at other forms and other surveys where the teachers and the students can kind of look at what we're doing but then give us feedback as to based on what we're doing how we're going to make it better so so it's like a, it's it's like a survey that has multiple parts to each question so that's going to take a lot of time and that's going to really be important for us because that's where we're going to get a lot of the information as how we're growing. Um, that's not a beginning stage thing. That's like probably a this time next year kind of thing. Gotcha. So we're still having this conversation, you know, probably at the midway point, I'll, I'll ask for that real serious feedback of, you know, is this one working? Yes or no. And then how can we improve or where are we going or what do you notice, you know, a rating scale? So there's going to be a lot of points to to these surveys going forward. I'm not explaining it the best way because it's hard to explain because it's a it's a multi level sure. uh, survey, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's like a click, it's like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. So it's you click this, but then we have to go this way. But if you click this, then we have to go the other way. So you know the 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 building of that survey is going to take some time, but I'm excited for that one because looking at the questions that people ask, like they really dig in and dive in and dive into a lot of great, great questions. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, 
we need that ongoing feedback. We, that's, that's clear. And we need it at every level, like you said before. So uh, what I do is a little different and we do multiple um, types of feedback. So uh, in terms of surveys, so I do those twice a year, formal surveys where, um, you know, it's very in depth asking a lot of the same questions. It's, it's, um, you know, self-reporting on, um, you know, their skills, self-reporting on their, their knowledge, um, you know, and then what their views on the class are, things that, uh, could be improved. And so there, there's a lot of, um, a lot of pieces to that and we do go pretty in depth and I've made changes every year based on student feedback because, um, they are the best people to ask. They're, they're going to tell you exactly what they need. Um, you know, then we also do a lot of informal stuff. So I talk to every student I have just about every day. Um, you know, and like the way that I structure my class, that's something I value. That's something that I, I make time for. We also do conferencing. So conferencing students have a portfolio, you know, um, we discuss the work in their portfolio. Um, and we just kind of, we, we see where they're at in their learning. And it's also a time for them to uh, discuss with me anything that's going on in the classroom, outside the classroom. Um, you know, just let me know how I can best support them. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's a two way communication. And um, you know, oftentimes we have a one way delivery of, feedback or, you know, this is what should be happening. So I value that two way street and, um, you know, we keep trying to support that however we can. Um, and so one of the things that I did prior to even rolling this out, um, I I did a focus group, Hmm. you know, and, um, so I, I got some students that I had a good rapport with and I said, Hey, look, you know what I'm thinking of doing? Would you mind, uh, taking some time out and they came during lunch. I had about 10 students come during lunch. Um, and we ran through a lab and, you know, they told me everything that they thought was good about it, the things that they didn't quite like. And so I made adjustments before I ever rolled this out. Um, and then those same students understanding that, Hey, you know, here's somebody who values the feedback that we give. Um, you know, they kind of, drove the the charge with the surveys and said, no, you know, you, you can talk to this guy. Like he's actually going to listen. So I think that was really important. And that's one of the ways I got around not doing anonymous surveys is, um, you know, getting that, that trust. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't have that trust, um, you know, they're it's not going to tell you. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, that, that was all those things have been so key to me understanding. And so if we're going larger scale, I think teachers need to take the pulse of students. Admin needs to take the the pulse of teachers. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it it needs to be a two way conversation, um, it with both of those groups. So, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, we're, we're talking really serious here about like formal surveys and focus groups and having conferences, but I think the informal surveys are going to be huge. Too. Oh, way, way more valuable. Right. I mean, so like, well, I, I, I shouldn't say way more valuable, but like, you know, um, yes. Like I'm sitting here thinking like, as you're saying some of these things about having, having the kids like, you know, building trust and the kids talking to you, like, just from sending out that one survey, and I, and I think I've mentioned this in, in previous episodes with this, just sending out a survey asking kids about how they felt about our school, kids came up to me and said, hey, Mr. Bianco, thanks for asking those questions. I did the survey. You know, I felt pretty good about my responses. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, th- thank you. I'm like, you know, what did you, what what really hit you? What what opened your eyes? And then like, you know, middle school kids, they're not they're not thinking outside the box, but like just listening to them and really, kind of having them pinpoint problems that they notice and things that they want to see improve in the school. That's really important. You know, I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask them to come talk to me about it. You know, I didn't tell them anything, but the fact that they felt comfortable enough that they can share with me that they did the survey and here's how they responded to a couple of things that they want to see improved or changed or, or just 
used better and differently, you know, that's, that's meaningful because those things are now in my notebook that I can bring to our team when we are ready to really kind of roll out and look at the, the different plans that we want to put in place for our students. Those informal surveys are completely, completely necessary and extremely meaningful because it, it's going to help the students really feel like they, they fit in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's really what it is. They want to, they want to feel valued. They want to feel seen. They want to feel heard. There you go. All right. So the last part of our roadmap that we're going to just kind of take it this, this way. And then we have, we have more, we have so many more topics. People don't think this is the last thing, but the last thing we're going to do is we're going to commit to change. And this is huge because this is, you know, I, I think for people like us, Dave, we, we're committing to the change way beforehand. Like mm-hmm. I, I think we, we, the, the, the outliers, we want change for, our, for education. We want to make sure that things are, are, are working for successful uh, schools. But, you know, we have to commit to the change because sometimes the change may be a complete 180 from where we were, or where we were thinking. Yeah, hundred percent. So I am a way different teacher than I was, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't commit to that change, you know? And I guess the biggest thing that I learned is, you know, things are not always going to go well and you have to be flexible. Right. And I, th- I think part of allowing you to do that is having those clear expectations. So, you know, what are the principles that are guiding you towards this change? Why did you start it in the first place? So if you understand that, why, and for me, it was those three simple things that I mentioned before. Um, It's like, okay, you know, what's going to help me get there. All right. And so everything you do when things aren't going perfectly, honor the intent of the initiative right? You don't honor the process that you created, right? You honor the intent. And so the the process, that's just a vehicle to get you where you want it to go. Just because you said you were doing it this way, if it's not getting you where you want to go, you get, it has to change. I respect that. I respect that. You, you know, I, it's the intent, yeah. right? It, it's the, the whole thing of doing because of our students right that's was the intent yeah correct in saying that is that is that is that where you're thinking when you're creating your initiatives like you you did not do this selfishly because i hate grades i need to do something that's going to benefit uh my students i feel well i mean look so here's when i first started um you know, there, there was a little bit of a selfish motivation. I'm not going to lie about that. Like, you know, grades were getting in the way of everything that I wanted students to do and that I knew they were capable of. Um, and so, you know, initially I didn't see how interconnected everything was. Um, you know, as I started doing research and, um, you know, as I started, engaging with students on a much different level. So when you commit to a feedback model, you get feedback from students and you have conversations that you never thought you'd have as a teacher. And that opened my eyes to a whole lot of things. And, you know, it's just simple questions. Like, you know, we had, um, you know, we had an incident, this is going back probably four or five years now where we had, um, you know, some, some graffiti in one of the bathrooms, um, you know, where there was a a swastika and a racial slur. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a couple of students that I had a really good rapport with, but it wasn't until I asked them, um, you know, I was like, is this a surprise to you? Have you experienced racism in this school that like, I mean, they just unloaded. Um, you know, and it's not something that before I made this shift, I would even think to ask, you know, because like, I think we, we get so caught up in our content and we get so caught up in, I need to complete this amount of stuff before the end of the year that we lose sight of 
our goal is to educate young people and make them the best versions of themselves. Right. And so, you know, starting in a selfish place led me to a, a place where I could see students as a whole person and just, you know, value them in a different way than I did earlier in my career. And, you know, I mean, looking back, it like horrifies me that it took me so long to get here. Um, you know, because I think about some of the ways that I approach students earlier in my career and, you know, you, you want to cringe a bit, but like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying like, I, I'm not a saint here saying like, this is some altruistic thing that like, you know, I want to make students lives better. And that's why I started this. That's where I am now. Um, and look, so it, it didn't, not that it didn't start in a good place. Like it, it started in a good place. Uh, it didn't start in a, a place where I was looking at their needs. I was looking mm-hmm. at what I needed from them. Now I look at what do they need from me? Okay. I like it. And I think it brings to the next point here is, you know, if it's not working, continue to adjust and, and find the ways that you can make it work. You know, I, I think by adjusting and kind of figuring out, you know, whether it's your vision or, or the initiative and how it's working for our students, finding ways to adjust, that is what makes this stronger. That's what makes these things better. That's what makes everybody kind of find more buy-in. The fact that you you can reflect on this and, and kind of feel like this is working here, but it's not working here. We need to adjust in this way, you know. The pivot is extremely important. It's extremely beneficial to the growth of this initiative. Um, so adjusting on the fly is always nice. So how many how many times did you adjust your your approach from the from the time you thought of this to the first implementation? Uh, so um, a bunch. So okay. before, be, before I even rolled it out, there were some major changes, mm. um, you know, and then after the focus group, you know, it's like every time I talked to somebody or did more research or, you know, said, okay, you know, um, these things, you know, aren't going to work or these things are counter to what I'm, I'm trying to accomplish. So, um, yeah, I worked on this for probably about three or four months before I rolled it out. And then I had this grand plan in place and um, the focus group, which was less than an hour, I scrapped about half of it, Um, you know, and then, um, you know, I I wrote like 60 I can statements and, you know, within the, the first month of doing it, I realized, wow, these are so redundant and some of them are completely unhelpful. Mm -hmm. So I wound up like scrapping half of them. Um, you know, there was a lot. And then, um, then Elise got involved and it was just like, I don't understand why you're doing that. And it's just like, you know what? You're right. Like that doesn't make sense. And so, um, I couldn't even tell you the, the number of changes that were made, but, uh, there, there were many, um, and there's, we still make changes. Right. So mm-hmm. now uh, the, the changes aren't so much to our approach. Um, it's more to um, it's fine tuning. Like, are we communicating something that's consistent with, um, you know, the message that we're trying to convey? And if things don't agree, they have to change and, and we have to make sure that they agree, because if you don't have that consistency throughout um, and we've talked about this numerous times, you know, it, it comes across as disingenuous, Mm -hmm. right? You're saying you value this, but then you're doing something that's completely opposite of what you're saying you value. So, um, you know, it's, it's a process and that process takes time. It takes support. And, you know, like you just have to be willing to not take things personal. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just cause something's working doesn't mean you failed. You know, it just means that, all right, we need to look at this a different way. Right. And that's where, once again, I keep going back to those clear expectations. Right. So what are we using as our success criteria? 
right? And we can't use outside opinions. We can't use, you know, standardized testing. That's not our success criteria, mm-hmm. right? I, I know those are important for other people, but when you're dealing face-to-face with students, it means absolutely nothing to me as a teacher. It's fair. And I think the last thing that we, we probably should hit on is, you know, while you're going through this, while you're finding all of these different parts of your, of your roadmap, um, the best way to commit to change and the best way to honor the process um, is continue to share your successes and share your challenges and share your failures. This for me, you know, and when you added this one, Dave, I thought this was a no brainer for me. This, this is showing that, you know, you are reflective. This is showing that you can make the changes that are necessary. This is showing that this initiative is meaningful and it's showing that, that you are open to feedback, criticism, and and that you are okay being vulnerable in these positions. And I think that's really what, what allows for people to kind of buy in. Like you can share successes until you're blue in the face, but if you, if you can't take any criticism and you can't, pivot again and you can't look at the ways that the challenges here that you can fix then you're not going to get that buy-in so this is really important to kind of celebrate successes and embrace the failures yeah and you know what like sharing those challenges i mean i've had people say something and it's just like well that's so simple but i was too close to it to even think about it Mm-hmm. I was like, that, that's such a simple fix. I've had students come up with ideas. I was just like, you know what? Makes a ton of sense. That, like, and I'll implement that the next day if I can, you know? And like, it's, it's all of those little things. So like oftentimes, and I, I've spoken about this a, a few times, we present this polished version. We think that we need to be perfect for our students. Mm-hmm. And I think that does us a disservice where if they see us as flawed individuals who are just trying our best, right. They'll say, Oh, you know what? It's okay. If I make a mistake too. Right. Yep. Right. And so like, you know, saying, Hey, look, here's something I'm struggling with. If you have an idea that can help me do this better, um, please let me know. Um, and they've come up with great ideas over the years. And, um, you know, I have to credit and look in, in our acknowledgements, they were, my students were, um, you know, the, one of the first people that I credited, not individual students by name, just collectively my students, you know, because without them, this is nothing. That's correct. This whole thing would be nothing. Yeah. Students. So even though we use them as guinea pigs, you know, we're doing it <laughs> out of love and we're doing it out of ways that we can make the experience for them and other students coming up much better. Um, all right, Dave. So we are approaching the hour mark on our That show. went quick. So, we really did. Like, I feel like we kind of cover a lot of great things here. We, we, we are set up on the roadmap and we're putting you on a road that if you are creating an, an initiative and you're looking for ways you can do this uh, again, whether it is a solo initiative or whether it's something that you're trying to put out for the school, um, you're getting two point of views here that are completely different, yet we're finding a lot of similarities into what we're doing and how we're talking. So um, Dave, before we head out, is there anything that you want to add for the listener before we get into our next topic in two weeks from now? You know, don't be scared of change, right? It's hard, takes work, but everything we do is challenging, right? So we can continue to bang our head against the wall and and fight those same frustrations that we've had over and over, or we can put that energy somewhere else and see if we can maybe move the needle a bit, right? Um, If you got an idea, try it. I think that's the best thing. I don't think we should go any further than that. If you have an idea, try it because you're going to have an idea. You're going to hold on to it. You're going to say, I'll do it in a month. Then in a month, you're going to get bogged down. Yeah, I'll start it maybe the month after. No, no, no. Don't wait. Try it now. Even if it's in phases, you know, roll out little pieces that you can. 
don't make it an initiative, make it something that you want to see if it can work going forward. So I, I agree with that, Dave. I think that that's, that's incredibly important to just go with it, try it, see where it takes you. You might be writing a book on going on, on grid reform. <laughs> All right. So Dave, tell the people where they can find you. If, if they're first time listeners, we've been saying names, but uh, where can people find you and what, and what have you done? Sure. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at David Frangiosa. Um, you can find my podcast from earning to learning wherever you listen to podcasts uh, or you can find it along with my blogs on reimaginedschools.com. And check out the book. If you're looking for a great reform, David never talks about his book, but we're going <laughs> to, we got to plug the book, man. You got to, you, you put the time into it. So go ahead. Plug the book. All right. So, uh, the book is Going Gradeless, Shifting the Focus to Student Learning. Uh, it's published by Corwin Press, and actually it's a year old. Wow. Happy birthday. Yeah. It's crazy. Pandemic baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so there you go. There's Dave. I'm AJ Bianco on the socials at AJ Bianco. If you're listening to Reflected, you already know the podcast. Uh, you can feel free to check me out on Podcast PD with Chris Nessie and Stacey Lindas. Uh, it's every other Sunday. Our Next episode will be the 13th of March. And then again, the 27th, if this comes out after that, who knows? Um, but you know, check me out anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, we'd love to strike up a conversation. Love to hear your point of views. Uh, we, we're looking to grow, right? We're looking to adjust. We're looking to grow. If this isn't doing it for you, let us know if we can make adjustments. We want to make sure that, that, that everybody is enjoying what's out there. So with that, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. So you can check us out in two weeks from today, which would be the 24th of March. If I'm doing the math correctly. So see you in two weeks, March 24th, with a new topic, dealing with the same kind of thing though. So until then, enjoy everybody. Thank you for listening to Reflect Ed. If you have a question or like to connect, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at AJ Bianco. If you're finding value in this podcast, please help spread the word to other educators. You can subscribe, leave a rating or review, or share on social media with your takeaway and thoughts. Make sure to tag me and at ReflectEdPod so we can keep the conversation going. Talk to you soon.